Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We have a great episode for you today. We're going to be talking about a very hot topic in the longevity, health span, biohacking space. We're going to be talking about senolytics. But before we get into the episode, I just want to have a couple of things to share with you. Number one, the third Women's Longevity and Resilience Retreat is almost full. So ladies, if you're still thinking about this, if you're kind of on the fence, just go to natnidham.com and go up to the top, click on the Retreats tab and book a quick call with me and my partner, Dasha. Let's talk about it and see if this is right for you. It's running from November 1st to November 6th in Cabarete in the Dominican Republic. It is a beautiful five-day retreat, and it combines time and nature, beautiful food, amazing knowledge, one-on-one bodywork sessions, one-on-one session with me, genetics, epigenetics, the whole nine yards. So if this is kind of tugging at you and you're thinking, should I, shouldn't I, just book a call. Let's see if it's right for you because we're going to be closing this off in August, and we're just about full. We only have a few spots left. Number two, um, if you haven't already thought about it, check out my Mighty Networks community on Mighty Networks. Although the easiest way to do that will be to go to to my website and you go to the top where it says BSP community and you can learn about all the benefits there. And for the next little while, I'm going to be closing this off in a bit. If you join as an annual member, you will get free access or access to my peptide crash course included with your annual membership. So number three, Please remember that if you get value from this episode, please share it with your friends, your family, and your networks. And if you're feeling inspired after listening to this episode, please make sure to leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to it on, because this is how we get more traction, we get more viewers, listeners, and ultimately how we get more amazing guests for you. All right. Now, let's talk a little bit about this episode. Did you know that by the age of 40 or 50 years old, People have anywhere between 10 to 30% senescent cells in their tissues. Senescent cells are one of the hallmarks of aging and can seriously disrupt physiology throughout the body. Cellular senescence is the process by which cells permanently stop dividing, but don't die. This is why they're called zombie cells. These senescent cells linger inside the body and accumulate over time and affect the healthy function of tissues and organs as we age. They can even convince other cells around them to become zombie cells too. So this is what we are going to dive into in this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast with our guest, Dr. Nick Bitts. Dr. Nick Bitts is a naturopathic doctor who combines traditional and modern medicine in his practice. He's got a bachelor's degree in biomedical science from the University of Guelph, and he's a doctor of naturopathic medicine degree from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. That's right, folks, a fellow Canadian. I'm Canadian. Most of you listening probably aren't, but for those for us Canadians, Yay, we get to lay claim to Dr. Bits because he's an amazing guy. But what most of you will probably know Dr. Bits from is Neurohacker Collective's line, Qualia, which is a line that he developed. But Qualia's latest product is Senolytic, a two-day cellular rejuvenation regimen, which I use and I love. It's just two days of supplementation a month. Very cool. Now, in this episode, Dr. Bits is also going to dive into Senolytics along with talking a lot about senescent cells. Senolytics are the leading edge of anti-aging research. A senolytic is a substance designed to destroy senescent cells, making room, if you will. Like So it's kind of like you're making room in tissues for more youthful cells, which ultimately promotes whole body rejuvenation. So to learn more and to get your hands on senolytic yourself, all you have to do is go to neurohackercollective.com and you can use discount code NN15, NN15, and that'll get you 15% off whatever deal they happen to be offering at that time. They've got other great products, but today we're only talking about the senolytic. Now, before we dive in, I first want to thank our sponsor, Element, an electrolyte drink that I am absolutely obsessed with. I dump one packet into my one and a half liter water bottle. So if your water bottle is smaller, you're going to use a little less. And then I sip on it throughout the day. 
depending on how hot it is, I will sip on it maybe a little bit faster. So not only does this help me to drink more water because it tastes so amazing, but it also ensures my electrolyte levels are always balanced. Balanced levels ensure that you regulate fluid balance, which ultimately can help you with digestion, with circulation, as well as temperature regulation. They helps to maintain the body's pH balance, which is all, all vital for enzyme activity and biochemical reactions. Plus, it helps to optimize nerve and muscle function. Win, 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 win all over the place. So Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio. It's 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium with none of the junk. No sugar, no colors, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Now, right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a really great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at Drink Element. Now, there's no E's in Element. So, drinklmnt.com forward slash nat. This deal is only available through my link. So, you must go to drinklmnt.com forward slash nat. Now, Element also offers no questions asked response. You can try it totally risk-free. If you don't absolutely love it, All you have to do is share it with a salty friend and they will give you your money back, no questions asked. You literally have nothing to lose. And now let's get into the episode. Let's dive in with Dr. Nick Bitts and learn about senescent cells and senolytics. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Well, Nick, welcome to the show. This is a new format for me. We're live. Me too. This is awesome. (laughs) Live, coming to you live from KetoCon (laughs) in Austin, Texas. Well, anyway, welcome to the show. It's such a... We've been trying to record this for a very long time, so... I appreciate you making time. Indeed. No excuses now. We're here live in the flesh. Happy to be here. Yeah, likewise. And it's been great to meet you in person too. Like this is, I could kind of get used to this in-person business. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely different than doing just a traditional Zoom, which is fine, you know means we get to do lots of things, but but this is great. Don't you miss that? I know. It's like yeah, the, no, this is the one-to-one interaction. It's absolutely. nice. Absolutely. But you know, it's, imagine if we didn't have the opportunity, the, uh, the ability to use Zoom, like how much less we would do yeah. in life. Yeah. So anyway, it's Facts. all good. Yes. So we are gathered here today. You could talk about so many different things. Um, like, for example, what's giving me my brain energy at this very moment. I just drank a shot of this really cool stuff a few minutes ago that just, uh, you know, on third day of a conference, you all need a little extra energy in Always. your brain. Uh, but what we picked as our topic, which I'm very excited about, is cellular senescence and senescent cells. And I think that there's so, much, there's so many questions about this area, and it's such a hot topic um, that it's just the timing is perfect. So... Maybe to get started, we could just talk a little bit about what is cellular senescence, what makes that, you know, just dive in. Yeah, so cellular senescence, it's a fun topic. Uh, It can be quite technical. Um, I like to keep it somewhat superficial so that you don't get bogged down in the details, but it is fun to get down in the details because it will blow your mind. I think you need to go below the surface. So, I agree. Cellular senescence, um, in short, is one of the drivers of the aging process. Right now, there are 12 major drivers. Um, And these are known as the hallmarks of aging. And cellular senescence is one of them. Mm -hmm. And it's easily the most buzzworthy uh, topic right now. And and in part because it's actionable. So we've identified these 12 hallmarks, but not all of them are actionable. We're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how we can insert medicines or tools or nutrients in there to uh, to modulate that process to change and shift the um, the process of aging and so senescence is um, emerging as one of those areas that we can really get in there and do some meaningful work um, so just in short the word senescence comes from a Latin word senex that means old or old man nice and so so a cell then cell senescence is um, the process of a cell becoming old and so mm-hmm. cellular senescence is this 
kind of in, in limbo state, if you will, where cells are, are no longer replicating, they're no longer dividing, um, which creates a lot of problems in the body. And so the, in short, senescence can be healthy, but it can actually be detrimental to the aging process too. Right. And so, and, and so you bring up a couple of analogies people will use, right? They'll call senescent cells zombie cells. Yes. And they will also call, who is it? I think it might have been San, Dr. Sandy Kaufman who calls them grumpy old men. Um, yes. Because they, <laughs> they sit there, they're kind of crusty, they're, <laughs> they're pushing out like kind of negative stuff like the cytokines, yes. the inflammatory molecules, and then they make other people around them grumpy, so that makes other cells senescent. Like it's, so, so funny. It's, it, it's, it's a hilarious kind of analogy, and I love it because it's, it's very interesting. Having said that, you just said something really interesting, which is that we do need some senescent cells. So we need some grumpy old men in our life, maybe just to keep us in... in in line, so maybe you want to elaborate on that a little bit, and and I guess the other thing about senescent cells I wanted to touch on a bit is they lose the energy to self destruct because normally once a cell becomes incapable of dividing and replicating and doing all the things it needs to do, it should have enough energy to take itself out, right? Yes. So that then the body can yes. recycle whatever it can and expel the waste products that it can't. Yes. But for some reason, these cells they kind of get stuck at that threshold. Yeah, so, so to take it back even further, and we'll yeah. get to all of those questions because yeah, yeah, those are sure. all incredible areas to, to dig into. Um, it's important to, to step back and, and look at the human body. So we are a group of 37 trillion cells. A community, you might say. And so you can stack all of those cells from this room all the way up to the moon. And that's one, one body. Yeah. which is remarkable. So we are um, very complex. We have a lot of cells. These cells, by and large, are going through the same life process, right? They're born, they grow, they mature, they replicate, they participate in tissue health, um, they acquire damage, they repair, and eventually they reach the end of their lifespan, right? So cells will replicate about 50 times before they hit that end spot. And when they hit that end spot, there's a couple different things that can happen. Cells will go through uh, what's called apoptosis, yep. which is a process of cell destruction. This is this internal process where cells implode. Um, the cell parts get recycled and they get renewed into making new cells. Um, the other process is that the immune system can go in and pluck these cells from the body and get rid of them. Right. And so that's healthy. That's normal. All the cells are going through that process. They reach that end state and then they get eliminated. However, with these cells, some of them tend to linger. And that's where the problem is with senescence. So it's important to acknowledge that this is a two-sided coin. It's both good and positive. You need senescent cells. They're a part of um, I mean, they're part of, of embryogenesis. They go back to when mm. we start as a single cell, as two cells. They are important for that process. And we're just discovering how they work, why they function, why they're there. Um, but they're critically important for that. We know that these cells are actually critically important for wound healing. Um, and so there's, there's an element that uh, is, is, is important for the production of senescent cells and the removal of senescent cells for wounds to heal. If you don't have senescent cells, wounds won't come together, close, and heal up in a rapid fashion. No kidding. That's so, so interesting. So it's critically important. Of course, there's, um, there, you can get into the whole cancer conversation as well. When these cancer cells start proliferating, the body will identify that turn off that cell and put it into a senescent mode. So a cancer cell has a lot of overlap with these senescent cells. And so the body then will go in, pluck these cells from the body and get rid of them so that they don't become malignant. Okay, so that's essentially how our body's dealing. Because people talk about you have cancer cells in your body all the time. Yes. And so this is that healthy mechanism that, by which the body is able to identify the cells and move them out. But you said something earlier. I want to go back to the fertility thing and the wound healing. And... You know, I, I want to talk about senolytics at the end. I want us to keep developing this topic. But before, just while we're here, so does that mean that someone who's working on fertility, wanting to, you know, like I've, I've had a couple of people that I've talked to recently who are really working on their fertility. So would we say to them, maybe stay away from actively going after your senescent cells? And or someone who's healing from surgery, let's say, or some kind of injury what 
I don't think we know enough to say yes or no. I, I think when it comes to medicines, especially dietary supplements and botanicals, it's better to err on the side of caution mm-hmm. and to not use anything. Yeah. Even if it's considered safe, sometimes it's better just to use nothing. Absolutely. And so um, we, I, I just, we don't know enough. You know, yeah. we know that um, the placenta, by and large, uh, has a lot of senescent cells. Yeah, so, so you don't want to be using you, going you after absolutely them. Absolutely don't. Yeah. And and so again, senescent cell formation and elimination is critically important to that process. So there's a lot of things that we don't know, but there's a lot of things we do know. And so I, I would say in those cases, I, I would I wouldn't focus on using senolytics. Yeah. Um, I, I would just focus on creating health and promoting wellness and making sure that you're optimizing fertility and such. Um, senolytics use when you're healthy and well. Yeah. And that's, I think, the best time to use it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really interesting point because it's interesting because I think that some people might say, oh, you know, I'm, I want to I clean up the terrain. I want to get rid of those zombie cells. I want to get rid or I'm healing from surgery. I better get rid of the unhealthy cells so that I can have more healthy cells. So intuitively, it's kind of, and maybe that it would be the case, but it doesn't, it sounds to me like, you know, you're risking crossing the line into territory where, to your point, because we don't know, and we don't know what that healthy threshold is, we're better off leaving it to the wisdom of the body to figure it out at yeah. this point. And and when you get into this kind of preparatory phase, when, yeah. you're, when you're talking about fertility, um, I, I always come from the Ayurvedic perspective. My background's in Ayurveda, which is oh, a, a form okay. of holistic medicine from India. It's considered that. the mother yeah, yeah, yeah. of all medicines. So that's the lens through which I really view life and view medicine um, most frequently. And they put a lot of emphasis on the preparatory phase pre-conception. And so they say you should be doing these things for, for months, if not years in advance, to make sure that your, your terrain is healthy and well. And so I think senolytics and focusing on senescent cells in those early stages can be important because mm-hmm. senolytics are all about uh, rejuvenating tissues throughout the body, whether it's the uterus, um, the reproductive organs, um, other tissues throughout the body that are critically important. I think you can touch those earlier in the process in a safe and effective manner. Of course, mm-hmm. the closer you get to conception, anything else, I, w- I would avoid it at that stage. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, to your point, the wisdom of preparing the terrain and then and then kind of letting the body take over, kind of thing. Is yes. there? There's something there. So, great. So now let's talk a little bit about. Because people, again, like, I mean, you know, I've, a lot of people I will talk to through my the Facebook group and, and the Mighty Networks community and you get 30-year-olds or 25-year-olds who are really like, you know, I, I, when I was 25 and 30 years old, I was not thinking about longevity. I was not worrying about my senescent cells. I wasn't thinking. But now, like, because there's so much more information and we have these people who are really aware of what's going on, how young is too young? to be worried about your senescent cells and you know should should a 25 year old or a 30 year old be using senolytics or what, yeah what i mean we that? so that's are a large conversation i i you know i think that um we we know a lot we know that the body tends to accumulate senescent cells over time mm-hmm. um if i layer on top of that this idea of a threshold theory yeah um and and the science is now emerging to 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 point that there is the threshold level where senescence becomes an issue. And you and when you hit that threshold, you move into this quote-unquote aging phenotype okay. where the person starts aging pretty drastically throughout their entire body. Um, and so when you're young, you're not at that threshold level. Mm-mm. However, when you're young, it is important from a preventive standpoint to make sure that you're caring for the body and you're, you're promoting health and wellness in ways that you can. And so I think that there's no harm in focusing on senescent cells and doing senolytic therapies earlier as a preventive measure. And okay. just, to, just to make sure that you're, you're not moving the scale towards that threshold limit where suddenly you get that acceleration very quickly. And right. we so find you want to delay hitting the threshold. You want to really, delay right? it. And, and okay. science, I think, is going to show us that you can delay that threshold. And so generally right now, the conversation is about 40. 40 years old is a really good moment to really start paying attention to senescent cells, to really start considering senolytics, because that tends to be the threshold age where people have accumulated and then now starting to express those aging phenotypes after that after that stage. So 
Amazing. So are there physical signs that people could be watching out for that says, oh, I think my senolytic burden is starting to increase? <laughs> like, is there is there is there a way because measuring right? We still don't have a tool by which to that. Yes, takes correct. Blood or whatever it correct. is that says, oh, your senescent cellular load is elevated right now. So let's, yes, so we don't have that. So are there any subjective metrics that people could be paying attention to that might indicate again it's going to be might indicate it's not going to be an absolute yeah so we we don't have test measures presently that that give us an indication of where we are in terms of senescent cell load or burden mm -hmm. hopefully in the next five years we have something well i'm sure there's um, people working on it so they are actively because there's a lot of money in that yeah but with that said i mean the the most direct measure we have are muscle biopsies um, okay, because that hurts. It hurts, but, but there's a lot of studies that are being done using muscle biopsies before and after treatments to show um, a lessening of senescent cells in the body. But it's only in muscle, so it's only in one tissue. Yeah, and we so know it's not going to be the... I mean, yes. would, would, a, would a quadriceps be any indication of what's happening in the cardiac muscle? Or? Not necessarily. No. Um, and, so, and, and, and so that goes back to your point. So we know that there are certain cell types that are more susceptible to becoming senescent. Um, there are three. So chondroblasts that are in joints, fibroblasts that are in skin, and then immune oh, cells. Interesting. interesting. So if you find that you're, you're, you're noticing joint uh, uh, some kind of compromise as you age yeah. or you're noticing skin changes wrinkles dryness or you're noticing a decrease in immune performance that may be the the best indicators we have to show that you have a senescent cell burden that you need to care for that's if that makes really sense. interesting yeah so then a person because you know there's there's these metrics where I can't remember what the contact was but they show three 40 year old people and this person this 40-year-old looks like they're 25. That 40-year-old yes. looks like what you would think a 40-year-old looks like. And this 40-year-old, well, you know, you're not going to ask them how old they are because, you know, they're looking a little older than their age kind of thing. Yes. And so is that a little, Is it, might that be one of those things that you could look at? Like someone who's looking significantly older than their age, we Absolutely. might say there's a chance that this person has a higher burden that yeah, I mean, and you can't reverse it at this point, right? Which is exactly, yeah. I mean, senescent cells get lodged in your skin and it, it's essentially non-functional cells and tissue. And so they're not doing what skin cells normally do, you, you know? You can't exfoliate them out or anything? You can't, <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe a little, but they need to go through the apoptosis. They need to self-destruct and to, to naturally implode and so can't. that new stem cells can come in there and have more youthful function. Right, right. And so, yes, I think that could be a good indicator. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's hard to say. But then the joint pain's really interesting. I mean, yes. And the tricky thing on the joint pain, of course, is someone is um, like has arthritis, right? Or or they're just they're a CrossFitter and they do really stupid things five times a week. <laughs> yes. But 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 does that joint dysfunction kind of correlate again with they're not able to recover properly, and so there's more cells that are damaged that just need to be cleared. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's ultimately, it's almost understanding what is driving that pain and discomfort yeah. in some ways. And if you go back to that hallmark of aging that I spoke about, you know, there are 12 aspects and they're all interrelated. That's a network Absolutely. of causes. And there are certain hallmarks that feed into cellular senescence. So telomere attrition yeah. as one. So yeah. the shortening of telomeres that yeah. happens over life. DNA damage is another one. So there are, there are actionable things that you can do to prevent that directional movement into cell senescence. Right. And then the, that makes sense. And the new, the couple of the new hallmarks, one of them is inflammation. Yes. It's about time they brought inflammation Inflama to the party. aging. How was that not a hallmark <laughs> I mean, I forever? Like ever. Exactly. Yeah. So just in January of 2023, they've added three more hallmarks to yeah. the original nine. So you have one on autophagy, which is a big conversation. You have another on inflammation or inflam aging. Yeah. And then you have another one on dysbiosis. Yeah. And so huge conversations, but they're now part of those 12 hallmarks that feed into the aging process. And so the autophagy piece, so that's something where the cell's driving its own 
destruction. And so our, our senescent cells just aren't even capable of that at this point. So autophagy is a, a slightly different topic from senescence, but they're related in they that autophagy be, yeah. um, comes from the Greek word that means self-eating. Yeah. Um, and so it really is part of the cell uh, repair and, and regeneration process. So it's how cells repair themselves from damage. So if somebody optimizes autophagy in the process of autophagy, they don't move into senescent states. Right. So apoptosis is the final you got it. way to clear that cell. Yes. Autophagy is along the life cycle of the cell. Yes. All right. And okay, it prevents the- getting to that point. Yeah. But when you get into senescence, it becomes critical that you're promoting apoptosis. And apoptosis right. is another Greek word um, that means falling off. And right. so cells need to fall off of the body like leaves falling off of a tree. Yeah. And so it's important then to... Um, to to induce or promote apoptosis so those senescent cells can then fall off from the body. Nice. Um, all right. So now let's talk a little bit. Like we know for we can drive autophagy, although this is a very contentious topic, mm-hmm. by fasting. You know, there's you get people who go, yeah, 18-hour fast and you're in autophagy. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, no, not so much. Probably not. Most of us need a lot longer and more painful process to get there. Um, but can we talk a little bit about what are some of the things that people could be doing as a lifestyle intervention to support the body's ability to clear senescent cells? Is there anything that, like, are there foods they could be eating? Are there things they, that people could be doing that we know of? Yeah, I mean, so again, this is early days. Yeah, but, sure. but what we've identified so far is that exercise seems to be mildly senolytic. Okay. So they prime senescent cells so that the body can get rid of them. Um, anything that promotes autophagy um, can, can offset um, ap- uh, senescent cell formation. So that's critically important. Right. So, so you're avoiding them getting there in the first place. Yeah. Okay. So a short-term fast, um, you can move into the fasting mimicking diet. Yeah. Um, we know that high glucose, blood glucose, is actually an indicator. We don't know why. But we know if you can lower blood glucose, it primes those senescent cells to get rid of, uh, uh, to, to be eliminated from the body. Interesting. Um, so that's a new science that I've recently read. Um, so there's a couple different factors. And again, some of the senolytic compounds that we're working with, they come from foods. Mm-hmm. And so those molecules, maybe not in the big doses that you would expect in a senolytic product, but those small doses can go in there and disrupt those SCAP networks yeah. that these senescent cells utilize to exploit the apoptosis process and to resist elimination from the body, and, and which allows them to linger. So if you can get in there through these, these, these high-nutrient-dense foods, you can disrupt um, senescent cell formation, and, and you can get in there. And so... Diet, of course, critically important piece. So let's talk. So, okay, so that's really interesting. And I know one of those foods is strawberries. Sure. Right? But we want to stay away from sugar. So you don't want to have the strawberries necessarily dipped in, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You want to eat strawberries on their own. Yes. But you would, and and to to a degree with foods, you'd basically be microdosing on a day to day basis. Yes. Right? Right. So it would be a microdose of senolytic compounds yes that would support the body but what are some of the other foods yeah i think you mentioned cucumbers earlier yeah so it, it, really it depends weird, on i don't think of cucumbers as particularly functional you I don't mean, think I of them as cucumbers. being nutrient dense besides their water content yeah i mean they're great they're refreshing yeah. <laughs> but, but they're a source of fisetin as an example and yeah. so we've identified these very unique flavonoid compounds quercetin is one of them fisetin uh luteolin yeah resveratrol which we've talked about a lot in terms of aging um rutin eg CG from green tea. A lot of these um, polyphenol compounds are, are really quite powerful senolytics. Um, and you get these in microdoses on a daily on a daily basis. Well, that's really interesting also because if you think of EGCG, which comes from green tea, and you look at cultures where they drink a lot of green tea, yes. some of those cultures actually have some of the longest lived yeah. people, right? Blue, like Japan. blue zones. Yeah. yeah. Like in Japan, I mean, these people are drinking green tea like we breathe air. Yeah, and again, it's all interrelated because EGCG and green tea is promoting telomere length. On top of that. Yeah, yeah, and so cells aren't moving through that replication factor really quickly, and they're not reaching senescence because they have long telomeres. So naturally, these cells are living longer, these people are living longer, and so all of these factors are feeding into each other, and they're all related, which is, yeah. which is fascinating. Well, that's really interesting. And, it's, and again, in those cultures also, you see people who look quite youthful. Yes. Later in life. Yes. So, you know, when you start to put these things together, I think it's really, 
it's a pretty fascinating conversation because this idea of a, being long lived and having health span becomes less amorphous. And you can start tying what you're seeing back to some of these concepts that are that we're really just starting to understand and develop, right? So let's go, let's let's name those foods one more time. So somebody who's sitting and taking notes, there were strawberries, there's cucumbers, there's green tea for EGCG. Yeah. There was the quercetin. Where are we getting that from? Quercetin's found in apples. Um, it's a yellow flavonoid, so apples, um, uh, uh, onions. Turmeric's on there as well, but okay. it's not a source of quercetin. It's its own. Curcumin yeah. is a fantastic senolytic. Okay. Um, of course, it has a lot of other benefits as well, but turmeric uh, is that yellow pigment that's found in the turmeric root or rhizome. Yeah. Um, of course, grapes. Mm. Uh, amazing compound. Lots you get of the sugar here. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of the fruits, uh, yeah. you know, it's some of the vegetables. But you want pigmented polyphenol compounds. Yeah. So anything that's red, purple, yellow, orange, that is where the medicine is, and those are where the senolytic compounds are are found. So we're just now discovering that. In 2018, they did a panel on polyphenol compounds, and they tested um, ten of the most powerful or potent polyphenols to date. And fisetin was the strongest, most potent senolytic compound we found wow. by far. And that's the strawberries and cucumbers. So that is found in strawberries and cucumbers. And so we do consume microdoses every day, yeah. um, uh, about 0.4 milligrams of fisetin in the daily diet. However, the research shows that fisetin becomes uh, much more powerful in terms of senolytic as uh, as a as a macro dose, so yeah. that's twenty milligrams per kilogram of weight. So that's about oh, interesting fourteen hundred milligrams per day. And so presently, there are about twenty three clinicals on clinicaltrials.gov that are using fisetin at that dose at so, fourteen hundred milligrams. Yeah, wow, that's so a it's, big. It's dose. a whopping dose, and so one point four. That would be a truckload of strawberries to consume. <laughs> yeah. And so. Fortunately, dietary supplements, we can get these concentrated forms mm. in different botanicals yeah. very easily, very readily, uh, very purified, and get that dose in a pill, which is, which is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Okay, so before we get to those, though, I want to back up a little bit and move into the not-so-gentle senolytics that people Fun. are talking about, right? Yes. So there's a there's a there was an interesting study that that was done with desatinib, which is a chemo drug, um, and quercetin together, that showed that I think showed quite interesting results. But you know, do we really want to be messing around with a chemo active compound? So awesome <laughs> conversation. I love this. So so it all started in 2015 with that combination of desatinib and quercetin. Mm -hmm. um, so these are, there's essentially these first generation senolytics. They all work in the same way. Um, and so just in short, if you look at a senescent cell, how senescent cells linger inside the body is they upregulate these proteins that prevent apoptosis or cell death. And so they just persist, they just stick around, right? The guests that won't leave. <laughs> and so quercetin and desatinib go in there and they disrupt those proteins so that cells then naturally go through apoptosis. And so that is how senolytics work. And mm -hmm. we can identify which compounds interfere or modulate that protein system that's found in, sen in senescent cells, which is amazing. Yeah. But it all started in 2015 with those two compounds. And it started in mice. They now have related into human clinical trials and they've shown amazing results. So they've shown that not only does it decrease senescent cell load, but it provides very functional, um, broad outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, as an example, in 2019, they did a study in, um, in 20 individuals with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, okay. which is a stiffening of the lung tissue. These mm -hmm. people have really essentially scarred lung tissue and they can't breathe properly because their lungs can't expand and contract yeah. in the way they do for you and I. And so these compounds were able to go in there and remodel lung tissue. And over the course of weeks to month, um, they regained uh, lung capacity and they could walk farther, they could breathe easier and they had less less problems. Wow, so how long did they use the combination for? So um, it, it, it's not necessarily, it's a great question. So senolytics aren't used on a continuous basis. They're not used every single day. Um, scientists have identified the best ways to use senolytic compounds is a short-term intermittent dosing. And so it's the, the, the philosophy is, hit them hard and run. Yeah. 
And so big doses and then let the body do what it needs to do. And so uh, generally speaking, the early studies, they use slightly different schedules. And now they're using more or less the same schedules where they're dosing these compounds in big doses for two days. Yeah. And then they're giving the body a rest for several weeks. Several weeks. Yeah, often up to four weeks. Interesting. And so in that study, so they would have done a couple of these big pulses. Yes. Did the results last? The results lasted, yeah. So they found that the results lasted, at least in mice, um, the results lasted for up to seven weeks. Which for a mouse, converting that into, if if we could, which we can't, but if we did... Seven weeks of mouse life is how long, typically, like, the, how does it convert into people? I don't, that's a good time. question. I don't know the answer to that off There's the top of my head. There's a formula, right? I'm sure there is. Two years in our exactly. Is, let's say we call it 80. So that's a 40, two years to 80. Anyway, somebody else can do the math and send yes. me a comment somewhere. But basically, so that would convert. If it could be converted, it would convert into years for a human. But in the human study, what did they find? I mean, again, with humans, it's going to be harder because we live so much longer. So they're probably still measuring those people. Yeah, and another important point is that it it takes weeks to months to build new senescent cells. So once you knock out those cells, there's no reason for you to keep trying to knock out those cells. But it helped the lungs to remodel, right? It helps the lung to remodel. So stem cells, these, these adult stem cells move in and they become lung tissue. And so in essence, you have youthful, youthful lung cells coming in there to remodel. And so senolytics, this whole area of senescence and senolytics is all about remodeling the human body. And so it's the promise of rejuvenation, which that's what we all seek from an anti-aging standpoint. We seek that rejuvenation, revitalization. And so that's the, the potential and the promise of senolytics is that you're actually rebuilding tissues in essence. Yeah, well, I guess, and I guess the flip side of that is as long as you're able to, like, like you mentioned, this was idiopathic lung fibrosis. Yes. So we don't actually know really what's driving that fibrotic tissue, buildup of tissue in the lung. So yeah. what we don't know is, are they now, is that idiopathic process yes. going to kick in again and get them back there? But the good news is if you have a method by which to reduce it, yes, maybe that starts to open the door to treatment for a longer term. Yes. And, and the thing that, that excites me too on that topic is that senescence is a very upstream process. So all of these different mm. issues that people have are downstream. They are the result of that. So yeah. once you knock that out, you create health throughout the entire body. So in terms of lung tissue, kidney tissue, bones, brains, they're all impacted because they're all down stells from that whole process. So it's this very broad acting, almost nonspecific, which is beautiful um, in their action. It's, I mean, that's, I mean, I keep talking about anything that goes upstream, I'm in, right? Anything that acts, because what you're doing is you're, it's almost like you're removing an obstacle for the body to be healthy. Yes. Because the body knows how to be healthy, ultimately. So if we can get rid of this obstacle, we then just kind of sit back and go, okay, do your thing. Yeah. And that's what we hope for. And you don't have to worry about the lungs and treat the lungs all the time. You're promoting health and wellness and you've turned on the light and the body spontaneously knows what to do and it moves towards health. Always. Always. I love this. I love this. Hey folks, just a quick little interruption to this episode to talk to you about something super amazing that I absolutely love, bioregulator peptides. You know that I am obsessed with bioregulators and where I buy my bioregulator peptides is Profound Health. It's profound-health.com. You can get 15% off your first order by using discount code longevity15 and they carry the Cavinson approved bioregulators either under the Nature's Marvels brand, um, which is uh, exactly the exact same as the stuff in the boxes with Russian writing, only without the Russian writing, Um, And they also carry a lot of the synthetic bioregulators as sprays and drops. So totally easy to use. If you are a vegan person and you will not use anything from an animal, then you're going to want to look at the synthetic version of the bioregulator. And that's those sublingual sprays and drops. If you don't mind using animal products, then the capsules, which are the biologic extracts of bioregulators, are the Nature's Marvels brand. 
And I would invite you to browse that website because Profound Health has some amazing, amazing supplements, all cutting edge for healthy aging. Okay, that's it. Once again, profound-health.com, longevity 15 for your first order. And let's get back to the episode. There's a flip side to tisatinib because at this point, everybody's listening to the show going, where do I get tisatinib? Yes. We know where to get quercetin, <laughs> but there's a dark side or there's a flip side or maybe there's things we don't know. So maybe you want to, you could speak yeah. to that a little bit because so, it's different when you're super sick and you can't draw breath to take a chance on something yes. like tisatinib. But if I'm relatively healthy and I'm trying to be preventative, is it smart for me at this point with what we know to be using something as strong as disatinid. Yes, yeah, so, so disatinid, it, it's a chemotherapeutic agent. Um, however, it, it has a very strong safety profile. Okay. And so we know how it works in the body. We know the half-life. Um, there are very little concerns. So in part, it was chosen as a first-generation genera- senolytic because it's safe. Okay. Um, and so I appreciate it. It is a pharmaceutical, and it works in this scary area that is cancer. Um, but but, but it, it works in the same way that all senolytic, at least first generation senolytic compounds work. And so okay. all of those compounds, I would say, are, are, are equal more or less. They're, they're basically safe and they disrupt these SCAP networks, these protein networks that senescent cells have in, in, in similar but different manners. Right. And so we know that the SCAP network, there's a variety of nodes or proteins that these nutrients go and target. Dasatinib, we know, targets specific proteins. Quercetin targets similar but different proteins. Fisetin, same thing. So they're doing similar things. And so mm-hmm. in my mind, um, <clears throat> I, I don't worry about them. It's, it's not high force, okay. especially when you use them short term just mm-hmm. for a couple days mm-hmm. and then you, you, you stop you using them. Yeah. Um, but, but I much prefer using more food-based compounds. And so that's where I would lean. I don't think we need to lean into pharmaceuticals where they become proprietary and they become one company's yeah. you know, tool and you, everybody has to pay through their teeth in order to, to get them. I want food-based compounds that right. are readily available, that we know are safe, that we've been using for thousands of years. In my mind, they're equally effective because we know the mechanism of actin. Yeah. And so, um, I, so, so there you go. I, I don't think there's a safety issue, but okay. I would much prefer to use these other compounds in place of those. And they're compounds. easier to get, frankly. Much at easier. At least now to they are. Use. Okay, but before we go to that. FOXO4. That's another senolytic, yes. very powerful senolytic peptide yes. that, you know, it's, it's expensive, but definitely there are people in my community who are asking about this all the time. And I personally have not gone, I haven't gotten my feet wet in the FOXO4 party. I don't feel, I feel that it's so powerful that we don't know, we don't know what, what dose or yes. that we could possibly cross over the line to too much of a good thing, which we've already talked about. We need some senescent cells to some degree in our bodies. Yes. So you, are you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so the FOXO4, in essence, what it's doing is it's um, allowing the release of P53, um, which induces apoptosis, right? That's the end goal of any senolytic is to induce cell apoptosis so that that cell then gets removed from the body. So we, we know how it works. Um, it, it's an interesting pathway. Uh, there probably are senescent cells in the body that rely on P53 as a protein to prevent apoptosis. Um, and so it, it, it can be, I would say, moderately beneficial for people, but I don't think it's necessary. I mean, it's important to understand when you think about senolytics, it's important to understand that not every senolytic compound is going to hit every senescent cell in the body. Okay, that's senescent cells yeah. are heterogene- uh, heterogeneous, meaning they're not all the same. Mm-hmm. They have different shields, different mechanisms that prevent apoptosis. So there's not any one thing that prevents all senescent all cells. senescent cells from... So, it's important to have multiple senolytic compounds in the body working to make sure that you're addressing the broadest range of senescent cells, Okay, if that makes sense. And so FOXO4 is just one node. There's so many different nodes that you can address that are meaningful that if that's a worry for you, address those other nodes using some of these more natural compounds first. Right. And and those have more research. So there's a lot more safety. There's a lot more known in those areas. So I would lean more heavily in that. Okay. 
cool. I mean, I'm I'm in for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm down on that. Okay, good. And I, this is your Ayurvedic hat talking, really. Yes. Which I think, I mean, I, th- I just recently interviewed somebody else who's, I feel like people who are marrying, it's this final needed union of, of bringing the wisdom of Ayurveda into traditional conventional yeah. medicine, really. Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, how we kind of put up the wall and said, no, 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 we're not interested in you. You're too old to Ayurveda. And I'm like, well, wait, they've been doing this for how many thousand years? Maybe there's something there we need to pay attention to. So Ayurveda has a whole branch of medicine that's dedicated to rejuvenation. So it's called Rasayana. Okay. It's a science. It's an entire, so there's eight branches of Ayurveda. And one of those branches is that Rasana rejuvenative therapies. And so there are physicians in the world that are experts only in that branch. And they're all about rejuvenation of the body. And so... Of course, they're not looking at cell structure. They're not worried about cell biology. They're worried about broad outcomes, and they mm-hmm. look at the body differently. But I think there's a lot to learn there, and there's a lot that we can overlap onto to like the cutting-edge science that we're learning. You know, and I, I when you look at senolytic compounds, um, they're naturally derived. A lot of them from botanicals, and we know botanicals have affinities for different organs in the body, mm-hmm. right? We know that ginkgo has an affinity for the brain. We know that milk thistle has an affinity for the liver. We know that curcumin has an affinity for joints and the brain. We know that ashwagandha has an affinity for reproductive organs. So Ayurveda has taught us all of these things. And so we can oftentimes carry different medicines into the body with the wisdom of these botanicals because these botanicals naturally gravitate towards those organs. Interesting. And so I think the next layer when you get into senolytics is when you start looking at curcumin and the compounds or turmeric and the compounds that are naturally found in turmeric, we know that that will guide those senolytic compounds to those specific organs and have an effect in those specific organs. Interesting. And so not all senolytic compounds are going to address every tissue in the body. So if you're taking one, you're going to address a subset of organs and a subset of senescent cells, but not all senescent cells. So it's critically important to really make sure that you're you're targeting, but also giving yourself the greatest chance to increase clearance by addressing many different tissues in the body. Okay, well, so that brings up a question. So, with the desatinib and quercetin combination, yeah, do we understand? Do we have a sense of are there specific tissues that are being more affected than others, or is is it somehow a broader acting? effect do we have a sense of that or? so they thought that they did uh-huh. um and and so a couple of years ago they were like okay fisetin as an example has an affinity for adipose quercetin okay. has an affinity for uh, bone marrow and you know and so they were starting to identify but when you start you step back and you look at quercetin and disapnid and the application for lung tissue it, it kind of it makes well, it scratch your head. Extreme thing you were talking about, exactly. Yeah. And you're like, so it's not that specific. And so, I think we're limited when we say, oh, these things are only that. Mm-hmm. I think in part they're only that, but I think they they do a broader range of things. They don't do everything, I and mean, we need to honor that. Yeah. But but I think we're learning what tissues these things impact in the greatest way. Yeah, yeah. No, that's super interesting. Okay, so we've been beating around the bush here, ring around the rosy. <laughs> We've got packaging sitting here, but, you know, I think it's just important for us all to get educated on a topic before we say, you know, let's take this. Yeah. Why? For how long? How often? Kind of thing. So you've, once again, you know, Neurohacker Collective is known for their stacks, known for building a formula that that goes at a problem in many, many, many different ways. And so... I'm a huge fan of your synolytic formula. So let's talk about this a little bit because, you know, anybody who sits there and says, oh, that's okay. I can just go out and buy this thing and put it all together for myself. And you're sitting there going on the list going, holy geez, like there's a lot in here. <laughs> so, so let's talk about this a little bit and, and how you can start. I mean, I'm, I think we all have an idea now that you're looking at different compounds to target different communities of senescent cells and different tissues. But... Yeah, we're we're proud of this product. It's it's <laughs> as you should. Be. It's quickly become a flagship product for the brand. Um, it's selling very well for us. We've all been shocked at 
the interest and the enthusiasm and the results that people are getting using the product. Um, yeah, I mean, we always we always come at product development um, from a complexity science standpoint. So we're not trying to just push a pathway and get a result. Mm -hmm. We are looking at the entirety of, of the science that's available. We're looking at all of the ingredients that are available to us. Um, we're looking at um, the the... All, the, all of the different pathways in the body and we're trying to put that together into a thoughtful formulation that creates broad outcomes. And so we invest a lot of time, money in our R&D process, probably more than most dietary supplement companies. Um, we are a very, um, I, I say a big mind group. We have a very eclectic group of doctors, physicians, scientists, entrepreneurs, creatives that are all helping create these products. So um, we, we, when looking at the field of senescence and looking at senolytic compounds, we literally looked at all of the science that's available. We looked at what we can use presently in the field of dietary supplements and put them together in a way that is aligned with the clinical science and that helps push that whole category in new ways. Um, and, and so where we netted is we looked at, you know, I'm going to say we looked at probably 50 plus ingredients and ended up with nine mm -hmm. that we rated to be the most potent in terms of their senolytic effects. Um, and we tried to mirror how those are being used in a clinical setting. So fisetin, as we've talked about, is that 20 milligrams per kilogram dose. So we mirror that in our product. So we assume that an individual that is 150 pounds they need that 1,400 milligram dose. Right. And not only that, they need to dose it in the right way, that intermittent dosing schedule. So we recommend doing these compounds for two days and then taking a break for mm -hmm. four weeks. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to mirror exactly what's going on in the clinical setting now in this type of product. Um, and, and what we've done here is that we've married a lot of different compounds, not only at the therapeutic dose, but a lot of different compounds to give the body the greatest chance to clear out senescent cells um, in, in the most maximum fashion that we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, building on synergies. So here are the questions that come, right? So how often should someone use qualiolic? Is it a, the senolytic? Like, should it be every month in perpetuity, regardless of how old you are? Or the way I've always looked at it is, and also very often I'll be using doing uh, like a biological age test. And when I have a client that is showing up biologically much older than their chronological age, I might be more aggressive with something like this than someone who's, say, 10 years younger than their chronological age. Yeah. Um, is that, does that, does that compute or is that kind of, or is it more of an age thing? Like, would you recommend a 35 or 40-year-old use this differently than a 60 or a 70-year-old kind of thing? Yeah, I don't think that there's any one answer. I, okay. I, would, I, I would say that it's well known that we accumulate senescent cells as we age. So the older you are, the more important these types of remedies are, no doubt. Yeah. And I would say the, the threshold is about 40 years old yeah. is when people start to move into those aging phenotypes that are the result of senescent cells. Um, of course, you can do these things earlier and they're more preventive and for maintenance, yeah. which is perfectly fine. But if you manifest um, certain symptoms, I, I think it, that can be an indicator that you should look at senolytics. We know that there are a subset of cells that are more prone to becoming senescent. Mm -hmm. um, we know that chondroblasts in the joints, yeah. we know that skins, yeah. and we know that immune cells. And yeah. so if you're noting any compromise in any one of those three areas, you might want to look at senescent cells or senolytic therapies, regardless of your age. Right. At any time, you can tell me, okay, stop it. I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> but so would you maybe, would you say to someone, okay, so let's say you have joint pain or you're noticing skin aging, which also gets driven by hormone changes in the whole nine yards. You might say, okay, let's do this for like six months every month. And then maybe we can back down and use it every two to three months after that. Again, depending on age and, yeah. and are you... And the second part of that question is, are you getting feedback from people that they are noticing changes? So you might not say, well, this week I look like I'm 68 and next <laughs> week I'm like, you know, in seven months time, I'm going to look like I'm 50. But maybe in joint pain, we might notice a difference or we might notice that we're not getting sick, we're not catching a cold quite as often. Like, are you getting that kind of feedback from people and after how long typically? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're noticing a whole, a whole gamut of comments. It's been really interesting. A lot of people notice results immediately. 
Yeah. Um, some people notice it after a couple cycles. Yeah. Um, it just really depends. It depends on the person. Yeah. Um, you know, usage may vary based upon the person, and that's that's an important concept to to grasp. And so, I, I wouldn't walk in with an expectation that it's going to solve your joint issue. However, you can probably get benefit there amongst other things as well. Um, you know, I, I think upon senolytic regimens uh, as being akin to a, a short-term detox. Yeah. And so you don't always feel the benefits mm-hmm. of detox. Often you do, but not always. Yeah. Um, but it's important to, to just kind of push reset every now and again and to give the body a chance to um, just be well, be healthy, um, and, and promote wellness. Yeah. And so synalytics can be a part of that as well. Yeah, and I would say, I mean, it's all about everything else that you're doing. Are you doing yeah. sauna? Are you, are you, to your point earlier, are you doing some kind of fasting protocol, whether yeah. it's weekly, daily, monthly, quarterly? You know, not everybody needs to be intermittent fasting every day, but there's got to be a point where you give the body that, that kind of signal to turn inwards and renew kind of thing. And usually getting rid of nutrients for a period of time can be helpful in that area. Yeah. So, so is there a minimum usage that you would say? Like, is it, I mean, I know it's, it's an impossible question to answer. We don't know. But to someone who's sitting there going, look, I, I do all these different things. Like, would I be wasting my money if I was saying I'm going to do two days every three months? Or you know, or do I really just need to do this every single month kind of thing? Yeah, there, there, there really is no set protocol. I, I, I will often, it, it depends on the person. Uh, for for sure. some individuals, I will recommend doing it one time per year. Interesting. I think that's, that's plenty and that's fine. Okay. Um, there are that's certain actually people's, what I was driving at. Like, yeah. Is there ever a, and, I, and there are other people where I would recommend doing it seasonally. Mm. So much like you do a detox, yeah. right? You do it seasonally or maybe you just do it in the springtime. Okay. Um, and then there are other people where I would say, yeah, I would definitely try doing multiple regimens back to back to back to try to create positive change. Yeah. That's more meaningful, more significant during that short window, especially in older individuals yeah. that have more they of that more aging, more, yeah, the aging yeah. phenotype. And you can label it as this, that, this, like their whole being mm-hmm. just embodies aging. I'm like, okay, let's, let's go at this a little bit more aggressively yeah. and, and, and dose more frequently up front at yeah. least. Yeah. Now that makes total sense to me. Okay. Another question is, should this be, would it be better? I know you don't have to, but would it be better to stack this with any other interventions? Like for example, would it be a great idea to take your senolytic, like with this is only two days, right? So might it be a good idea to do, if you're doing a 24 hour fast, to take it after, like, you know, the morning that you wake up after that last dinner and then take your second dose well, you wouldn't be able to do it during the fast. But is there any logic to pairing this up with the fasted state? I, I would Does say that matter? that product, uh, Qualia Senolytic, and Senolytics in general, can yeah. be used any time, yeah. which is part of the beauty of them. You don't have to set a time, set aside time on a weekend and, and be fasting or expect a lot of side effects. It's not how these things work. For sure. No, I mean, and so it, it, you can take them with food, without food. You can use them on uh, a Tuesday at 2 p.m. <laughs> you know, you can stack yeah. them on top of your current regimen without yeah. really any issue. With that said, um, there's a lot that can be done the other 28 days, mm-hmm. right? This is only a two-day regimen. The yeah. other 28 days, um, you can focus on the immune surveillance piece that's critically important in the conversation. So senolytics take care of apoptosis and they induce apoptosis so that senescent cells then fall off. Yeah. The other 28 days, you can fine tune your immune system so the immune system can go out there and get rid of senescent cells on themselves. So it's critically important then, I would say, to do that kind of one-two punch. Okay. So senolytics for two days or a short-term regimen, whatever that looks like. And then to take care of your immune system on those off days. And so that one-two punch really then comes at uh, senescent cells from a more holistic perspective. Yeah, no, I like that. I'm actually, you know, and in my world of bioregulator peptides, you might be stacking it with doing a cycle of the thymus bioregulator to help the thymus to renew or the pineal gland bioregulator that helps to support telomerase and elongate telomeres and also has immune benefits. So, yeah. so it's really interesting. So in other words, just to go back to my first question, 
Although you don't, you, there is there no benefit to using a senolytic while you're fasting, or you just really just don't need to. Do you think there might be any benefit to like I, any I compounding effect? I think it's speculative at best. Yeah. Um, okay. When I look at fasting, I definitely think about autophagy first yeah. and foremost, and so. I would want to lean into that process heavily because autophagy is all about repair. Yeah. And if you can repair the cells, you in essence are preventing it from getting into that senescent mode. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I would give that a lot of emphasis and I would do things that benefit that process because I think you can... Well, it can almost be counterproductive if you think about it, right? Yeah. Because you're asking for repair and at the same time you're doing it like it's, it's almost like too many signals at the same time. Theoretically. In theory. Yeah, theoretically. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Did we leave anything out? I mean, I'm sure we did. I'm, we could I know keep talking we did. for the, forever, but I feel like we've been talking for a while. So. Yeah. I mean, it's it to me. It's just it's a super exciting field. And really and again, is. I always come back to: Does this make sense from an Ayurvedic perspective? You know, we we've introduced Ayurvedic compounds in our senolytic formula. Which okay. So let's talk about that just as, yeah, as a yeah. closing. Let's talk a little. Yeah. There's the obvious. There's a quercetin. There's the fisetin. So Piper Longamine. Yeah. was one of the first senolytic compounds. And, and not many people know about That's Piper Long. That's the black pepper one, right? So it's a cousin of black pepper. So it's, it's long pepper. And mm -hmm. so there's an ancient remedy in Ayurveda. It's called trikatu, which means three spices. Yeah. So it's black pepper, long pepper, and ginger. And it's a rejuvenative compound. Um, it's great as like an anti-mucus, anti-kapha, cold and cough, head cold, um, remedy, but it, it has an affinity for the reproductive organs and it has this revitalize, uh, revitalizing effect on the body. It's amazing. So it's one of the core kind of formulas from an Ayurvedic perspective, um, especially as the, a Rasayana. And so it's interesting that um, back in the day after quercetin, they looked at piperlongamine as a senolytic. Mm -hmm. And so piperlongamine has a similar effect. It's going in, it's disrupting that scat network, it's inducing apoptosis. And so I think what we've done there is we've married up what we know works from an Ayurvedic perspective with this cutting edge science that may explain why it works yeah. from an Ayurvedic perspective, um, which is really, really beautiful. And so, you know, curcumin is the same way, you know, it comes from this old tradition, but we know that it's also a senolytic, it disrupts that scat network. And so, we, it's, it has a nice overlap. And so yeah. for me, that just speaks volumes of truth. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, it puts my mind at ease. If, nice. if, if it's at odds with what I know is true from an Ayurvedic perspective, I generally will be like, yeah, it's not a factual not true aspect. Yeah. But senolytic, the whole area of anti-aging medicine um, is overlapping just beautifully with Ayurveda. I love that. So Piper Longum, Chrysotin, Physotin, there's curcumin, curcuminoids in here. Yep. What else? Uh, luteolin. Luteolin, right. Which is uh, structurally very similar to quercetin. Okay. Um, it just has uh, a hydroxyl group that's that's different, but physiologically. Different works, effects. Works, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we've we've worked with um, an ingredient called Synactive. Okay. Synactive is a blend of nota ginseng and sweet chestnut rose. Um, and it's standardized for ginsenicide. Yeah. And uh, they've done studies on... Um, muscle performance mm -hmm. and this is when they actually did the muscle biopsy Biopsies, yeah. so they they took a muscle biopsy they checked senescent cell load um, they took this compound they exercised they, then they did another muscle biopsy and they showed that this in essence lowered senescent cells in muscle specifically wow. and so we put it in here um, because it's an energizer, it has a lot of studies on increasing bioavailability, but it has really good human clinicals on decreasing senescent cell load. I love that. So super interesting. Um, we also threw in here two different compounds that nobody has used as senolytic before. So we put in here seven really well-known senolytic compounds, but two that are new that we discovered in our process in R&D. Um, that we discovered through this hypothesis-based mechanism uh, format, and that is milk thistle. Love it. Um, Liver. And, and uh, isoflavones from soy. From soya. So, yeah. So, so now there's people going, huh, soy, no. <laughs> yeah, and, and that is, uh, and, and we could go, that's a whole nother that's a talk. a whole other podcast, and, I know. And so, yeah, so soy is annoying to allergen, but that's soy in different forms that's much more refined. 
we're giving here the equivalent of what you find in a daily dose yeah. in high soy consumed societies such as Asian cultures. Um, and it's just rich in these isoflavones that are incredibly beneficial. They're adaptogenic in terms of how nice. they work in the estrogen res uh, receptors. Super therapeutic. And there's a lot of misinformation and people are scared of it. They should be scared of refined soybean oil. Like mm -hmm. don't eat that stuff. It's junk. Yeah. But soy in its fermented forms and its high isoflavone form, deeply therapeutic. And I'm a huge advocate and do not be scared of that. And that's what you find in this formula. Yeah. And so milk thistle and these isoflavones go in there and again, disrupt those scap networks um, in ways that are known. And so it's increasing the comprehensiveness and the action of this formula overall. Love it. Love it. Okay. All right. I think we're going to get ready to close now. Awesome. So, okay. It's been fun. Yeah. No, this has been <laughs> great, Nick. So why don't we tell people where they can find the Synalytic? And, um, yeah. So Qualia Synalytic, um, right now it's available in the practitioner channel um, and you can find it on neurohacker.com. Okay. Uh, neurohacker.com uh, neurohacker has a wealth of information. Mm -hmm. We have all of the science on Synalytics. Uh, we have um, all of the rationale and the thinking in terms of how we formulated, why we formulated. Um, we just overload people with information and education on our website. So neurohacker.com is the best resource. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great resource. I mean, if you yeah. want to geek out, this is the, this is where you want to yes. go. And guys, you can use discount code NN15 and save yourself 15%. And there's lots of different ways to sign up for the Synalytic. So you could, you could do subscription or what, and you guys always have, you know, you make it easy for people. You know, you always got a great deal going on. Just uh, I think it's mostly it's to help people kind of cross that gate and try it out for themselves so that they can experience the benefits. Yeah. And yeah. all of our products are, are, are experiential. They're meant to oh, be yeah. felt. You know, we focus in nootropics, which are cognitive enhancing products. But um, with the success of Senolytic, we're definitely now looking at the aging category and how can we impact that more. So a lot of new products coming out in this area soon. I love it. Well, and you know, it's indirectly going to be a nootropic because if you can yeah. reduce your senescent cell load, you're going to function better cognitively. Yep, for sure. we have senescent cells in the brain specifically. That so. can help. Yeah. All right. Well, Nick, thank you so much. It's this been has fun. been such Thanks. a pleasure. I'm so glad we finally got to yeah. do this and in person. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly or if you'd like to leave any comments or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.